Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Clearance. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi oh! This next one's for you two. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 140 of the NBA podcast. It's time for another edition of Bye Felicia. We got to say goodbye to the teams that got knocked out in the conference semifinals. That includes the Toronto Raptors, Philadelphia 76ers, New Orleans Pelicans, and Utah Jazz. So we will talk about all of their big offseason questions and uh, what to expect from them this summer. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well. I just realized right now, because I had completely forgotten about it, and because we're going to talk about the Raptors here now, that Malachi Richardson... <laughs> the Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. hi This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Raptor. He, he is indeed a Raptor. Yeah. Yeah. They traded him. I know. I forgot about it, too. I, I wrote something about kind of the Raptor's outlook and then co- totally forgot he was on the team. But they traded uh, Bruno Caboclo, Bruno Caboclo. Who, is, yeah. who is two. now he's now here. He was two years away from being two That's years right. away. He is now zero years away. This is he's arrived. He's arrived in the NBA. So for next season, I presume. Right. Yeah. But now yeah. he I believe his contract is expired and he's in Sacramento. So purgatory upon purgatory. Well, either way, someone will sign him for next season and he'll gonna he's gonna break out. Yeah. Obviously. That's true. Because, yeah. MVP yeah. type yeah. season coming from Bruno. But yes. Uh, By the way, for those out there, if you go to Bruno's page on Basketball Reference and you go down to the Transaction tab and look at the amount of times he's been assigned (laughs) and recalled from the Raptors 905, you're going to be scrolling for a long while, and that's fun. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. So let's start with the Raptors. Uh, We discussed Dwayne Casey and his firing and whether that was deserved a lot in last episode, so we're not going to touch on that too much here. Go back, listen to episode 139. We devoted the first 15 minutes or so to the Raptors. We do need to talk about their options moving forward. It looks like Mike Budenholzer 
if he isn't the heavy favorite, he's at least appears to be one of the front runners for this job. Uh, Mark Stein of the New York Times, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer. Like, Woj, Woj tweeted that Casey had been fired, and literally, like, within eight minutes, Kevin O'Connor was like, look out for Mike Budenholzer in the Raptors. So, yeah. you know, it seems like Casey, or Masai Ujiri, their team president, he's not going to fire the coach of a 59-win team unless he knows exactly who he wants, I would assume, and, like, knows he can get that guy. So I'm guessing Budenholzer is going to get that job, and it's going to happen pretty quickly. If he does... There was a meme going on Twitter throughout all of Friday, and it was, you know, the, the Spider-Man meme, which, side note, like, no one outside of basketball Twitter knows that meme, apparently. Like, I was discussing it <laughs> with people, and they were like, what the fuck are you talking about, Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man? I'm like, you guys, it's really funny. It's when two people, they're, they're the same. Okay. So, they, they were, there, were, there was a lot of using that Spider-Man meme with Dwayne Casey and Mike Budenholzer saying, like, this is them discussing strategies to beat LeBron James mm. in the playoffs because Bud, right. you know, when he was with the Hawks and when the Hawks were good, they also got knocked out a lot by LeBron James. Uh, so their their track record against LeBron, I think Casey actually has one more win against LeBron than Bud does, but both are very uh, not good against LeBron in the playoffs. But more, do you think Bud would be the right guy to get this Raptors team, assuming they keep everyone? together do you think it, that's the push they're going to need to get past lebron <laughs> i mean no because lebron is lebron but i will <laughs> say this bud is i mean i think we are in agreement of this but it's the best coach out there available at this point in time yes yeah, yeah. i mean I, I i think that's fair mm-hmm. so for him i i think he should only consider two teams toronto and milwaukee mm-hmm. really because they were sort of there. I mean, Milwaukee underperformed, but with Bud in there and with the talent level that they have, like they would they would climb the ranks immediately. Mm-hmm. Toronto is a little bit more established as we saw, mm-hmm. and it would make sense for Toronto to go to swing for the fences and and go for for Bud because, I mean, look, this year they incorporated a, a free flowing style where the ball was moving and the defense was connected and. More threes, more off-ball movement, cutting, whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. the ball just swung more. Everything happened a lot more. There was more depth. And that's just Bud, man. I mean, that's that's the way Bud plays. That's what he likes. Like, the ball has to move. He has to get help from the bench. I mean, he relies on the bench, I should say. So, yeah, I mean, he would come into a system where... Well, it's just been newly established this year, but... He will come into a system where the players have been acclimated for a year, in terms of oh let's let's have let's be heavy on the ball movement, mm-hmm. which I think is a wildly attractive form. Yeah, I I mean so I wrote uh, kind of a post mortem uh, about the Raptors and Casey uh, for B Ball Breakdown, which you can find on my Twitter account on ClutchPoints.com as well. Um, and I discussed the Bud situation in some detail as well, just because it seems like. That's the route they're going. And, you know, we discussed in the last episode how after the 2017 sweep, Masai Ujiri wanted, he called for the culture reset. Dwayne Casey answered the bell. He got more ball movement, more three-point shooting, more, the the offense just became more egalitarian, less isolation heavy. That's Mike Budenholzer's system. That's what he ran 
and Atlanta. The Hawks were among the top 10 league-wide in, in passes per game in each of his five seasons with the Hawks, which is what Ujiri wants. They were... NBA.com only goes back three years in terms of tra- like that play tracking, but they were 25th, 25th, and 23rd, respectively, in their possession percentage of isolation possessions. So again, you know, the one-on-one ball that Ujiri specifically highlighted, that's not going to be an issue with Bud. So... I think that's going to make him attractive to you, Jerry. I would assume that's probably one of the main things that makes him attractive, along with, you know, his... I haven't heard anything bad about his rapport with players. Like, there hasn't been anything like the David Fisdale, you want LeBron James, or <laughs> you want Greg Popovich, I want LeBron James breakdown with Marcus Gasol. Oh, with with Bud? Yeah. No, 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 no. Like, he used to play in Denmark, so he's civil. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, I mean... A lot of it's going to come down, whoever they hire, whether it's Bud or someone internally or, you know, another external candidate, a lot of coaching comes down to relationships and how much you can get Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan and the rest of the supporting cast to buy into your system. You know, that said, I think Bud's X's and O's savvy is up there as well. So I think, you know, I pose you the question, is Mike Budenholzer alone going to get past LeBron James? Probably not. Like this, this Raptors roster might be fatally flawed, despite their regular season success this year. Mm-hmm. But if you're going in the direction of this ball movement, three point heavy, uh, you know, share the wealth type of offense, and you need a change at the top, Bud can continue that, implement his own system. But like those will be the bedrocks, and then you're gonna give this one more chance, basically. Like, yeah, I, you know, now I think the question for Toronto is. All right, you fired the coach. Are what's next? Are you gonna like? Is this the time you're gonna start taking a sledgehammer to this team, or are you gonna give this team? You know, it did have a 59 win season. Are you gonna give them one more chance with a new leader before you just say, you know what, this isn't gonna work? You have to give it a year, unless I mean, you can tweak something initially. Like I mentioned on the podcast previously, uh, in the episode before that that. DeMar could be on the trading block if you get a new coach in who prefers ball movement because DeMar is really the only one who... It's it's unfair to say that he stops ball movement. He doesn't, but in the playoffs he did for his own sake. Like, he stopped for, for his own benefit, really. He, he just he kind of tried to to isolate himself and, and tried to do it a little bit more than he should have done so he killed ball his intentions were good i don't think of demar DeRozan as a guy who is overly selfish and wants to take all these shots i just think he has this idea that oh i can be a difference maker so i need to establish myself i need to assert myself and then that at times just suffers through the through him just stopping the entire flow of the offense Mm -hmm. so you could argue that bud would sit down and talk to him and go, you know, would you be better off at a better place? Like, mutually agree, like, okay, should we continue this partnership wherein you do exactly as I say? Mm-hmm. Or would you want to move on to a place where you can be the man and not have a coach riding you for not passing the ball more? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly possible. And we, we discussed this briefly in the last episode as well about, you know, maybe you just talk to another team that had a disappointing end to their season, call up. Portland and say, you know, DeMar DeRozan, like, structure a deal around DeMar DeRozan for CJ McCollum. Or you call Washington and you say, look, it's no secret John Wall and Bradley Beal don't get along. 
let's find a deal for John Wall and Kyle Lowry or Bradley Beal and DeMar DeRozan. Let's try to make something work. Hey, Minnesota, we hear some, <laughs> there's a lot of dysfunction in your organization. Jimmy Butler is a free agent in a year. Let's try to find a right. deal structured around DeMar DeRozan and Jimmy Butler. You know, there, obviously there, there would need to be extra pieces for in any of those trades. I'm not saying straight up one-on-one for any of them, but structuring a deal around those guys is a possibility, I guess. But more than I'm with you. I think they give this team one more chance with mm-hmm. a new leader. Maybe if at the trade deadline, if they realize they're just, you know, going up against... Like if if uh, I mean Boston's gonna be really effing good next year, yeah. You know, assuming health, we don't know where LeBron's gonna be, but hypothetically, say he's on the Sixers, like the Raptors would be the third best team in the East. Well, I'm just saying, you know, like yeah. <laughs> no matter what, like regardless of what happens with LeBron, the mm. Raptors are gonna be behind the Celtics next year. If yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If LeBron stays in Cleveland. I think at least in the regular season, the Raptors will stay ahead of Cleveland. And the Raptors will be the second best team in the East. If yeah. LeBron does go to Philly, the ceiling for the Raptors is the number three seed, or like the third yeah. best team. So right, right. You know, depending on what happens, maybe you hit that February trade deadline, and you're like, you know what, we're screwed. <laughs> there's there's just no way we're gonna win a ring this year, or like even make it past the second mm-hmm. round. Now we need to reevaluate, but I I would assume the main pieces are all going to be back, uh, at least to start the year. And part of that is just because that's the way their contracts are structured. Like, basically the entire Raptors roster is under contract for next season, with the exception of Fred Van Vliet and Bebe Nogueira, who are both Mm. restricted free agents, but everyone else is already signed. After next season... Jonas Valanciunas and CJ Miles both have player options for 2019-2020. At that point, Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka will be expiring contracts. And DeMar DeRozan has a $27.7 million player option for the 2020-2021 season. We don't know what he's going to do with that, but presumably he would decline it just because the cap's going to be so much higher by that point. He's probably going to be able to find a starting salary higher than that. So there's a very... like. You could start to see a hard reset in 2019, and come 2020, I mean, unless DeMar opts in, the highest paid player still on the books is Jakob Pertl, and he would be a restricted free agent. Like, you can very easily, you know, or I guess, actually, Norman Powell will still be there as well. Um, But, like, if this core doesn't work, it's got, at most, a two-year window. If it doesn't work in two years, you could kick everyone to the curb and, you know, easily reset but even next season or after next season you can say all right give me whatever you can for kyle lowry's expiring contract right and it's not insignificant to be you know part of the playoff discussion in toronto because it's the only team in canada like they they build some pretty solid like long-term fan relationships with people over there when they make the playoffs and they're competitive i want to go back to the bradley beal thing Mm mm-hmm because, you know, under normal circumstances, everyone would be, are you kidding me? Like mm-hmm. John Wall and DeMar DeRozan, that would be, <laughs> that would just be Brick City. But right. then I kind of remember that the Wizards general manager is Ernie Grunfeld. So, <laughs> right. I mean, I I would probably try to explore that as soon as I can. Yeah. Kyle mean- Lowry and Bradley Beal. I mean, I honestly, I feel a change in dynamic 
just going away from one of the the most secure things that that Toronto has had for so long would would maybe undo that mental control LeBron has over mm-hmm. the entire team. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of these organizations, not only Toronto but a Portland, a Washington, a Miami, they're all going to have this like this question of confidence this summer of like, can we run back the same core and realistically expect different results? And I don't know that the answer is yes, because like all of those teams are capped out. You're maybe, you know, maybe you get someone on the mid-level exception who makes a difference. Maybe you hit home on a draft pick, but like barring a major shakeup in terms of trades, like none of those teams have cap space to make major additions. Like this is who they are. And if, you know, the, the Heat, Blazers, and Wizards all got knocked out, in the first round, the Raptors got swept in the second round. Mm. Like, if you're cool with that, you know, you, you brought it up. Like, a 59-win season and a second-round playoff berth, that's not insignificant. Like, most no, teams not. would be very happy to do that. Like, the Minnesota Timberwolves oh, yeah. would be, you know, prior to this season, would have been ecstatic with that. They had missed the playoffs mm-hmm. for 13 straight seasons. Like, the Sacramento Kings would jump through flaming hoops to get to a 59-win right. season. So... I understand the, you know, should they blow it up conversation. I understand, like, Raptors fans being admittedly bummed. But, you know, before Casey got fired, he said something, uh, you know, it got it got roundly, like, not even mocked. It was just like, oh, oh, poor Raptors. Um, he, he said, and I'm quoting this from Sirat Zoe of SB Nation, he said, there's a huge gap I think we closed between the first 4-0 in reference to the 2017 sweep and the second 4-0. That 4-0 is very, I think, deceiving. You had two games by, what, one and two points? So the gap is closing. And he's right. Like, Toronto had a real chance to win that game at the end of game one. They missed, like, three or four tip-ins in the final second. You know, yep. LeBron hits a ridiculous fadeaway running floater off the backboard to beat the buzzer in game three. Otherwise, they go to overtime, and who knows what happens then. So they aren't that far off. Now, that said, Boston, again, is going to be much better next season. So measuring yourself against what happened this year, you need to look ahead and say, like, oh, shit, like, Boston's going to be, you know, Boston's going to be up there mentioned with the Warriors and the Rockets in terms of, like, these teams are legitimate title threats. Yeah. So... You know, as the Raptors are going to have to have some like real honest conversations with themselves this summer and say, what can we do to get to that level? But they're not that far off. And I think, you know, maybe, maybe it is just going to take a new voice in that, like, with all due respect to Dwayne Casey, who I, he deserves all the credit in the world for being so amenable to changing his system as dramatically as he did. But mm-hmm. maybe just having another guy in there and Bud. Maybe that does make a difference, and if not, I think it would. Yeah, yeah, and if not, you just hit reset in a year or two, and yep. you know, like the problem for the Raptors, if you try to tank or blow it up, like they have too much talent. You can't tank with that much talent. Nope. No, and, you end up in the middle of the road. Right, and the good thing for the Raptors, before we move on, is you know a lot of these teams built around a big three or you know the teams that are like at the end of the line of mm-hmm. their current course they piss away so many draft picks and so much young talent that like <laughs> the alternative is literally a multi-year rebuild. The Raptors, to Ujiri's credit and to their coaching staff's credit and their player development staff, 
Like, they have a bunch of young guys who you could see something, something's there. Like, DeLon Wright, mm-hmm. OG, um, Fred Van yeah. Vliet, who, who we don't know if they're going to be able to retain him because, you know, they, they have $126.2 million in guaranteed salary for next season. So they're already over the luxury tax thre- threshold. I would think they would love to bring Fred Van Vliet back. It's just, like, how much if he gets a much better offer sheet somewhere else, because they would have to pay, you know, effectively double or like 2.5 times as much as that just to bring him back. But Pascal Siakam, like they have a bunch of young guys who could turn into this, like the next iteration of this Raptors team. So even though it like, I get Raptors fans being bummed as all hell right now, because expectations were so high, but like you are so much less screwed than, you know, what the Clippers were prior to the Blake Griffin trade or like what the heat were after LeBron mm. left. Like you have, you have a bunch of young guys. You, you don't need right. to necessarily go through a multi-year rebuild whenever this Lowry DeRozan core expires. Like you're probably going to get something of value from, for those guys, maybe not fair value, but you know, some sort of draft pick and or young player. And, like, you can add that to your core. Like, you, the, I still think the future is bright in Toronto, but I understand, you know, how it ended would understandably leave a very bitter taste in your mouth, which is, that's fair. Did you just cover Toronto all by yourself? I might have. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to let you do the honors on the next no, one. No, I, 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 I think you said it. I don't really have anything else to add. I mean, no, I... I you pretty much, you pretty much went all over there, Brian. Yeah, no, I, I, and I agree entirely. I mean, I can only iterate what you just said. I mean, blowing it up for no other reason than to blow it up for a PR thing would just be dumb. I mean, again, this was a, a near sixty-win team. Those teams don't grow on trees, and yeah, even though LeBron has some sort of Jedi stranglehold on them. Uh, that shouldn't preclude them from being a great regular season team and 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 also making some noise in the playoffs and that's worth something it's mm-hmm. not worth everything but it's worth something yeah and you know Jonas Valanciunas is 25 Thelon Wright is 25 Pascal Siakam 23 Van Vliet if they hang on to him 23 Jakob Pertl uh, 22 I mean there are some youngsters there that are still very much playable in the long run. They might not turn into stars, but then you have like sort of a Miami Heat situation on your hands where you have a lot of talent that's complementary. Mm-hmm. And then if you get out of the hands of DeMarco Rosen and Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka's deals, well, then, then you can go find something else. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that you need to hit the big red button here. Yeah, Like if you go into a retooling process... Like, that's different. I mm-hmm. could understand that. Like, if you break off some pieces and try to get something else that just changes the dynamic, like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But blowing it up, that that takes some planning. Yeah. Yep. I completely agree. Hey, everybody. This is Brian from the Glue Guys Nets show on Almighty Baller. Just wanted to talk to you about sponsor and friend of the network, HelloFresh. So I've had a few meal kit delivery services in my day. I, for one, am very excited to be having HelloFresh as a sponsor. So I am a kind of a deadbeat 
and a pretty disorganized person in my life. And one thing that I very much appreciate about HelloFresh's business was I had left town for a while while they were delivering the package. And I came home two days later after it had been delivered and discovered that it was perfectly preserved. Nothing wrong. Two days in a New York City, insanely hot October for some reason, and it was perfectly preserved. My produce was fine. My meats were fine. Everything was totally fine. Lots of ice packages all over the place, really closely wrapped. I very much appreciated the fact that I wasn't going to have to let my HelloFresh packages go to waste. That felt really good to me. Also an important thing to note, while I am a deadbeat in some ways, I'm not in others. I do actually do a fair amount of cooking. And I really appreciate HelloFresh for this reason, too. Sometimes you get these you know, delivery services and you get all these kinds of off-brand things in the package. It's None of it's really what you're used to. I got King's Hawaiian Rolls with my burgers this time. Like, the brand. The, the, the actual thing. And it, was, and it was such a breath of fresh air to see a, a brand that I was very familiar with, liked a lot, coming inside the package. And it made all the difference for my Juicy Lucy burgers that I whipped up. So all that's to say, HelloFresh is easily my favorite of, of the services. Tons of choices. You got classic style, family style, even vegetarian meals. Lots of benefits to subscribing. Um, you can get delicious, filling meals delivered right to your door every week for less than $10 per serving and free shipping. So for a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes, visit HelloFresh.com backslash Almighty60 and enter Almighty60. That's HelloFresh.com backslash Almighty60, A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y-6-0, and enter Almighty60. It's like receiving six meals free, or up to 50% off three boxes. All right, Mort, we got to talk about the Sixers. And I oh think... my god, you just spoke for 18 minutes, now you're going <laughs> to speak for 35. Well, I'm going to let you run with this first question, because I, yes. I think it's... As a Sixers fan, there are two ways to look at the season. One is going into the year. You know, I did right. not pick the Sixers to make the playoffs. I thought they were going to be the number nine. And the Eastern oh, you Conference. didn't? I actually, no. I actually did. I didn't. I didn't remember that you didn't. Yeah, I picked the. Yeah, I picked Charlotte as seven and oh, the Pistons okay. as eight because I'm an okay. idiot. Well, because you know, my whole thing was if you guarantee me Joel Embiid plays fifty games at twenty five minutes a game, oh, they're right. making the playoffs that. and. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, you just didn't know. He had 31 games through three seasons. You couldn't be sure. And he was coming in yeah. with restrictions and back-to-backs. He still couldn't play back-to-backs. So you just and Ben know. Simmons was a question mark, honestly. Right, yeah. Ben Simmons didn't play at all his rookie season. Right. Uh, Markel Fultz, you, you know, even even in preseason, you could tell something was up with the shot form. I wouldn't yeah. have assumed he was going to miss 68 games, but... There were red flags there as well. And it's just, you know, it's a lot of new pieces. You had J.J. Redick in, you had Amir Johnson in. The bench was pretty thin, and that was really their shortcoming for a long time. But So on one hand, if you tell me at the beginning of this season they're going to win 52 games, get the number three seed in the East, win a playoff series, go on a 16-game winning streak to end the regular season, you know, right. and, and Bede and Simmons are going to look as good as they do. Dario Saric is going to take the steps he did as a three-point shooter. I'd say this is an overwhelming success. I don't care how it ends. Then you look at, well, you know, maybe our expectations were just too high coming out of that Miami series, but it feels like they let that Celtics series slip away. Like they could have and arguably should have won that series, but they just didn't execute 
especially in late game situations. They got, I think I said this an episode or two ago, but they got outscored by 25.3 points per 100 possessions in crunch time, which was games two, three, and five, which is abysmal. That was the worst team. That was the worst by far of any team in the conference semifinals. So there's a bitter taste in your mouth from how the season ended. So what would like what would you grade this Sixers season as? Oh, I hadn't thought about a grade, but I mean, in A minus because, mm-hmm. yeah, I think an A minus is fair. Yeah, because they just they moved a little bit further, and we we talked about when they made it to the playoffs that whatever they win, it be that one game, be that one series, be it the whole damn thing, everything was just cream. Mm-hmm. After just making it, like it's that's just a, an additional luxury to it. And to their credit, they made the second round, and well, they they got their asses handed to them by Boston. But <laughs> yep. that's that's part of the process. I mean, look, the process is not the process without some some hurt and some yeah. damage. And look, they stepped up. Joel B played sixty three games and averaged over thirty minutes a game. That's mm-hmm. that alone is a victory in itself. Yep. Ben Simmons playing the way that he did was outstanding. Robert Covington, I seem to recall him having a somewhat slow start to the year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, catching up and finding the rhythm. J.J. Redick was J.J. Redick right off the bat. I was actually pretty nervous about J.J. coming in. I thought he had, like, a pretty fantastic dynamic with Chris Paul and that whole set, and Blake Griffin, that whole setup in L.A., and I was sort of frightened that he would come in to, <laughs> to Philly and be, you know kind of washed up J.J. Reddick. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he was sensational. Like, yeah, I think he actually averaged a career high. Yeah, um, he did. Yep, he did. Certainly he did. So that's <laughs> all of the things. All these components came together, and then some things didn't, which you were heavily reliant on, like faults. Yep. And they still did what they had to do. Also, I was kind of disappointed that, you know, Luvavo didn't really step it up in the way that he should have given it was his second year but Mm -hmm. so there were some things where you looked at it and went like if you told me before the season oh you know false is only going to play 14 games tlc is not gonna do a whole lot and we Mm -hmm. just signed jt reddick to be like a major core piece (laughs) i would probably be like "Mm, well (laughs) yeah and then you make it to the second round of the playoffs so yeah that's that's an a minus right there but like it's so hard to create this team because you're not looking at the now you're looking three or four years down the line Mm -hmm. so when you're grading them now you're not grading them for the current product you're grading them for partly what they'll become yeah right like the hope is that this year's sixers are the basically the equivalent to the 2009-2010 oklahoma city thunder who oh yeah took a big step forward put up a hard-fought series they lost in the first yep. round. Then the next year they come back, improve significantly, make it to right. the Western Conference Finals, then make it to the NBA Finals the year after that. Like, there should be a steady progression. And you can see that. Like, yeah. Uh, we, I mean, so let's go right into their offseason because... Well, I, be, I think I, I have a better way of phrasing this, Brian, by the way. Okay. This Sixers team needs to be the worst Sixers team... Yeah. Over the next 10 years. Yeah. And Brian Colangelo in his exit interview said that. He's like, this is the worst our guys oh. are going to play in the playoffs. So, you're you're Brian Colangelo now. Congratulations. 
I am in that case. I am considerably more handsome yeah. than I used to be. So I'll and take you have, that. You have two executive of the year awards, so that's I'll have that going. And, and I wear awesome shirts, so that's fine. <laughs> right. yeah. Your collar is always pop. You're good. It's yeah. always pop, like to the point where it's cutting my ears off. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he did say something about it. Like, and it's you know you look throughout NBA history, and JJ Redick said this afterward. Like, uh, you often need these experiences of falling short to realize like where are my weaknesses how can teams exploit me and i I, i'm glad the boston series ended the way it did like Mm -hmm. i i would much rather at least right now for this sixers team to get too confident and blow a series and like think they were too good and then realize like they got humbled like so Mm -hmm. now you know ben simmons is going to go into the summer and be like man they completely sold out on me because I don't shoot jump shots, and I I'm not saying Ben Simmons is gonna come back and be a forty point or forty percent three point shooter next year, but yep. one of the big things they said in his after you know his exit interview is is like you need to work on your jumper, you need to be willing to pull at least from mid range because that's gonna open up everything else for you and it's gonna make the game so much easier for you. Joel Embiid, you need to become more careful with the ball. You average way too many turnovers. Um, you know you, you need to continue refining your post game. Like you're already damn near unstoppable down there if you don't turn the ball over. But you need to be more aggressive. You need to just have a better plan of attack. Markel Fultz, you just need to get your shot back. You need to get your confidence back. Like mm-hmm. all of these guys have so much room for growth, and that's what Brett Brown like continued to say over and over throughout the playoffs. Right. Like we just have so much room to grow, and they do. But like this summer is going to be really big for these guys. Like, do they take advantage? Do they come back and have either a new skill in their toolbox or a more refined skill set? If they do, the sky's the limit for them. If they don't, yep. you know, then, then it's the Gary Payton school of thought. Gary Payton had this thing. When he started out in the league, he said he, he every year he came back from summer, he wanted to add something to his game. So mm-hmm. it became a mid-range jump shot. Then it became a post game. Then it became a three-point jump shot. Then it became, I think, he wanted to draw more fouls. I don't know if it resulted in more free throws, but he wanted to be more aggressive in getting people to reach in. So mm-hmm. he started like developing hesitation moves and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. every year, he came back with something that would just keep defenders on their toes. So even though he was like a seven or year veteran, like you couldn't actually guess what he'd do because he would have developed something entirely new that he didn't do before. Mm. That mentality, even though that's for like what the early. 90s late 80s mm-hmm. that's still applicable today and that's going to be applicable for the next 50 to 100 years yeah. you just th- those summers need to be there and I'm I have a question for you mm-hmm. should I take Ben Simmons free throw shooting in the playoffs seriously because he shot almost 71% he actually shot 0.2% better or 0.02% better than Joel Embiid yeah which uh, I was kind of impressed by yeah should I take it seriously or what I, I mean i hope so i don't i honestly mm. don't know i mean he shot better against miami it felt like than he did against boston so i don't know if that's a psychological thing i mean i i don't think he's going to be a career 56 percent shooter from the free no, throw no, I'd, 
Right. Me neither, but yeah. yeah. I also don't think he's going to be a career 90% shooter, but you're right. Like, if he goes up from 56 to the low to mid-70s, and that was another area, I think, when they were di- when Brett Brown was discussing, like, the areas specifically for Simmons, it was your mm-hmm. jump shot, free throw shooting, and finishing around the rim. You focus right. on those three things, we're in business. All right. The reason I mention this last podcast you had a a pretty long segment where you wanted to say hey let's let's not crown brad stevens yet yeah you'll have to allow me to say the same about ben simmons here yeah, because when when on twitter we see a lot of these oh ben simmons gonna be a future hall of famer yada 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 right, like like, he's the next magic johnson right i get it i get where it's coming from like the mm-hmm. core of the argument i get where it's coming from right but but let's just real let's just recognize something here. If he does not improve that free throw stroke, mm-hmm. if he does not improve his ability to shoot mid range jumpers and down the line three pointers, which mm-hmm. are going to be a necessity, a damn outright necessity. Yeah. Then that puts a significant cap on his potential. Like Absolutely. he's already good. Like he's already all star caliber good. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't develop those aspects, like he's going to be guarded a lot, a lot more smartly by other teams. Right. You, he won't be able to get any sort of separation between himself and the defender. He's just, he is going to be one of those guys who's then going to level off nice and slow for four or five years until you look at him and go, oh, oh, that's not good. <laughs> right. So the, the I, I, and again, I'm not saying he's not going to develop those those yeah. things like those aspects obviously i also think it's really really important for him and i get it like post games are not efficient but i think he needs it i need think he needs a post game because he's 610 he's athletic as hell and he is going to get matched up against smaller players on time to time and i want him to punish them yeah. to be fair sometimes he already does at his age but i want him to be more refined yeah what i don't want to see is him taking 17 foot Fade away, turn around jump shots that are that looks like he's actually you know throwing a brick, <laughs> yeah, right, you know, than right. shooting a shot. So things needs to come more smoothly to him. I'm confident that it will. And here's the kicker for me, or here's the one thing: we talked about Minnesota on the last pod, mm-hmm. or actually, no, we didn't. We talked about Minnesota between podcasts because we recorded this podcast and the last podcast on the same evening. Mm-hmm. What we talked about was Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, mm-hmm. number one picks, mm-hmm. having like expected, oh, greatness will be be bestowed upon me, <laughs> right? To the point where I don't necessarily have to put in all the work. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that Ben Simmons is made of that same cloth. I am not saying that, mm-hmm. but I am saying that there's a, a certain risk in there, wherein all this hype has gotten him to a point where he's thinking oh it's inevitable Mm -hmm. i'll reach that point Mm -hmm. to the point where you have to wonder does he put in enough work again i'm not questioning his work ethic i am getting nervous about the hype level because i know he's a he's a young man he's 21 years old yeah young men listen to their own hype that's (laughs) a fact right and i just want everything to just be silenced just a little bit around him just don't hype everyone up too much just let them grow yeah they're not perfect i mean again that's why i'm happy the boston series went as it did 
Like, the fact they could so easily scheme him out just because he can't shoot a jumper, like, that should be a big slice of humble pie after the Mm -hmm. Miami series. He was dominant, and, like, the hype was out of control. You're totally right. The, The thing that encourages me about his development is, one, he at least has a relationship with LeBron James, who has gone through a lot of these same questions earlier in his yeah, career. You know, absolutely agree. Not, not, you know, LeBron was never as reluctant as Ben Simmons was this year to fire jumpers, but LeBron's confidence in his jump shot in year 15 is so much exponentially higher than it was earlier in his career, and he's much better at shooting those shots. So I think right. having that relationship, being able to tap into that, is going to be you know invaluable um that said i mean yeah it's on ben like it's i said it before it's a big summer for all of these guys but then you know they also the sixers will find out on tuesday whether they get the lakers pick this year but they are overwhelmingly likely to have a draft pick somewhere in the 10 to 11 range they also have 25 million dollars in cap space you know we'll, we'll find out exactly how much um after the lottery and then if Embiid is uh, first team all NBA or wins defensive player of the year his extension goes up so that's actually a really big uh, <laughs> it's going to be a oh big so you're distinction. on team don't let yeah Embiid I'm on team win. Brow I'm on team Brow yeah. no like I love Embiid but like you know if, if you're dreaming if you're a Sixers fan dreaming of signing Paul George signing LeBron James you should be team Embiid for second team all NBA because you can get to like for if Paul George, you can get to the thirty point three million you need for him, just by waving, like stretching Jared Bayless's contract. Right. LeBron, it takes a little bit more. You have to trade Bayless, package it with something, whether it's the number ten pick, Justin Anderson, a couple of their young guys, um, you know, whatever. However, however you can make grease the wheels to get someone to take Bayless without taking or sending a salary back, but there are ways for them to get there. So more, we'll talk a lot about the Sixers and their free agent stuff you know, as we get closer and as we start to hear some rumblings. But if you were Brian Colangelo, since you assumed his identity 10 minutes mm. ago, what's your plan this offseason? Are you going all in on a guy like LeBron? Are you going all Paul in George. on Paul George? Paul Kawhi? George. What about Kawhi? A trade for Kawhi? See, that's the thing, because in the trade, you have to give up something. Yeah. I'm not really crazy about that from Philly's perspective, because I know that there are a lot of young players on Philly. But as I alluded to previously, I mean, it's not all of them that's mm-hmm. so far been a slam dunk, and mm-hmm. not all of them are going to turn into slam dunks, because that's the philosophy that was driven with the Sixers. I mean, that's the more attempts at a difference maker, yep. you know, the pos- the better right. um more bites so of the beca- apple right exactly because then you can allow yourself to miss uh, on a few picks i mean that happens yeah so i think instead of going all out for Kawhi, even though i i think he would fit like a glove into that system mm-hmm. so would paul george he's just yeah. the lesser of Kawhi. yeah and if you can sign paul george outright without giving up a pig and without having to trade for him or mm-hmm. whatever yeah, you do that. Like he shoots off the ball, he rebounds, he play makes. He's a six nine, six ten wing who can theoretically play the two, the three, and the four. He can handle. He can defend. Like mm-hmm. he's he's everything you want in a two way player. 
And because there's the presence of Embiid, because there's the presence of Ben Simmons, because there's the presence of potentially Markel Fultz, and because there is the presence of Dario Saric, you know, Paul George could see himself, like, in the MVP conversation just off of efficiency alone. Mm -hmm. Like, this dude could end up having, like, an efficiency that nears, you know, 70% in the true shooting percentage column. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've I been Team Paul George for a long time, and I was even Team Paul George over LeBron for a while. I think I've moved back to Team LeBron over Paul George just because the playoffs have been a nice reminder of what what LeBron James does. Um, but oh, I get that, by the way. I mean, I get that you still have to kill the, the, the giant yeah. unless you get him <laughs> unless, on your team. Right, and that you know, I, I look get at that. this Boston team now, and you see you know, they're going to add... Kyrie and Hayward back and they're already in the Eastern Conference Finals like you might need LeBron James to get past them so yeah I mean the point is and again we'll we'll discuss the Sixers a lot in the coming months so we don't need to hammer it home now but Brian Colangelo in his exit interview with the media used the term optionality a lot um, and he made it clear like if the right deal's not here this year they're gonna push it back till next year when a guy like Kawhi Leonard might be on the market. A guy like Jimmy Butler or Clay Thompson might be on the market. A guy like Chris Middleton, who would, you know, like Paul George, would fit like a glove in that, like, rich man's 3 and D role. He's probably going to be on the market. So the Sixers have to make their splash free agent-wise in the next two years because uh, extension for Simmons is going to start in 2020. So their cap space, like, it just, it, it's gone in two years' time. Um that should, said. Be, should be this year. I, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but it should be this year also for acclimation purposes. Yeah, really, it needs to. And like all, that core has to go forward now. And there's also, I mean, uh, I forget who at the Athletic reported this, but you know, someone at the Athletic yesterday said Clay Thompson's already in negotiations for taking less to do an extension in Golden State. Like, there's no guarantee. I mean, yes, we can look down the line in 2019 and say, oh, these guys are going to be free agents, save your cap space, save your cap space. You don't know that Klay Thompson's going to be a free agent. You don't know right. that Kawhi Leonard's going to be a free agent. Jimmy Butler is most likely going to be a free agent, but Jimmy Butler's going to be close to 30, coming off of knee surgery, having played for Tibbs his entire career. Like, if LeBron James wants to come to Philly this year, if Paul George wants to come to Philly this year, you push you your chips it. in. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But, I mean, again, you also have to figure out be, or not figure out that's the wrong term but you have Embiid you have Simmons you have Fultz these guys need to get floor time together mm-hmm. like let's say you don't sign a guy this year so you have these guys kind of getting familiar with, with with one another and then in 2019 you sign a high volume guy that that could potentially just ruin the entire dynamic but mm-hmm. if you get a guy in now and then you add in Fultz who, let's be honest, has not been a high-volume guy in his first year because he played 14 games. Mm. Then you can sort of tailor his game around that established core. Let's say it's Paul George. Then the main core is Embiid, Paul George, and Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. Now, Fulz comes in, and he's sort of having to play a complementary role to those three, and that's fine because Mm -hmm. then he doesn't need to develop into a guy who has the sustainability of averaging 25 a game. 
I'm still very high on faults, and it sounds like Colangelo and Brett Brown are too. And MB oh, yeah. in his interview <laughs> just kept saying faults is a beast. Kept saying, "Oh yeah, no, I, mean, I don't doubt that." Yeah, so they still consider him a big part of the organization. But Colangelo did say like he's not shooting at the level. He's still currently not shooting at the level he was back in college. So you're right. He's a no matter what, no matter how he looks behind the scenes, he could look like the second coming of Michael Jordan behind the scenes. But until we see it, we're not going to know. And until they see it in a game, we're not going to know. So right, right. There, there are a lot of questions with Philly. Like the the exciting thing is, you know, this is. I, obviously, it's like the biggest offseason they've had since probably since I've been alive. Like, the range of outcomes is you are going to be in the NBA Finals next year. But then also, you know, as some people have been joking with me, is like, Brad Colangelo drafted DeMar DeRozan. What if he pushes all of his chips in and trades for DeMar DeRozan? Like, I don't think it's going to happen. But there's a wide range of outcomes from, you know, this this season is the first of a promising step in yeah. like the right direction or this is as good as it's going to get so fault yeah <laughs> Rose Covington Sarge oh poor Covington Covington would have to be the only spacer because Embiid's three-point shot's still not there entirely that's an underrated thing by the way yeah yeah Embiid's three-pointer that it just needs to be tweaked a little bit he, that those percentages, he's a little bit too trigger happy for it. Yeah, I know. I hope the playoffs taught them all to value possessions more than they yeah. did. Let's move on more to the New Orleans Pelicans. They they don't have as complicated a summer as the Sixers. They have one gigantic six foot ten question. Demarcus Cousins is a free agent. He is coming off of a torn Achilles, which we've seen in the past has been I don't want to say career threatening because guys often do come back from it and continue to play career altering is probably the word um, we yes, don't know I would say so. how DeMarcus Cousins is going to look next year nope. the Pelicans played very well in his absence after acquiring Nikola Mirotic they made it to the second round of the playoffs they even stole a game off of the Warriors if you're the Pelicans what do you do with Boogie? I resign him for how much and how long? That's that's really the main issue here. Yeah. It's, I mean, I would offer him a shorter term deal, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't even care if it's pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. It would have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, if he signs it, that's. I mean, I I wouldn't. Let me put. Let me start out by saying this. I'm not gonna max him out for full length. Okay. Yeah. No. Five I'm not year gonna max. do that. Yeah. No. No. Five year max. Not. Not doing that. I uh, I mean if it's if if I'm, I'm I could offer him like two year and if the first year could be like a team option or like a non guaranteed you know maybe some some sort of non guaranteed clause in there in the third year mm-hmm. where you you know you max him out for the two fully guaranteed year mm-hmm. that that'll be fine because if he proves his worth or not proves his worth that's wrong. But if he proves that he's healthy and he mm-hmm. can contribute to a similar, to, to the similar level of production he could before, you know, I'm fine with that. I love that. I mm-hmm. move forward with that and I create a very positive relationship with him so he's ready to re-up with me once again after that deal is done. Um, if he's like, okay, but he's not in completely the same level as before, but he's still tradable. Mm-hmm. 
because his deal is not for five years and the last year is not guaranteed, then I use him as a trade chip. Yeah. I mean, I just don't throw away the potential of DeMarcus Cousins either as a player, neither as a player or as a trade object. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Pel- the Pelicans are in a position where they can just say, all right, bye, like we played well without right. you. We're not even going to bother trying to re-sign you. I'm with exactly. you that they shouldn't offer a five-year max. It's going to piss Boogie and his agents off that they don't. And Boogie and his agents might start shopping around and try to find a four-year max elsewhere. But as we've discussed many times, and as we'll say many times over the next month and a half, cap space just isn't there around the league. Like, very few teams outside Mm. of, I guess, Chicago probably could if they let Levine go, which they're not going to do. They're not going to do that. And it would be dumb to bring in a guy in his prime when they traded Jimmy in (laughs) his prime. Like That would would just not fly well for anyone. The Lakers are really the only other spot. Like, Philly will have, again, they could make cap space, but why are you pairing Boogie yeah, yeah, and Embiid? Like, it's not going to happen. So it's, you know, if the Lakers miss out on Paul George and LeBron and they're desperate, you know, they desperate to make a move and make a big free agent splash, maybe, maybe they do that. But even still, I think Rob Palenka would know, you know, that's a, that's a hell of a risky move. So, yeah. It sucks. Like, it's really... Because Boogie was going to... You know, realistically, if he didn't get hurt, he probably was going to get the five-year max from New Orleans. But, like, that injury, he's he really might have to take a two- or three-year deal, like you said. I wouldn't be opposed if I'm New Orleans giving him a two-year deal with a third-year player option because that's exactly mm. what Anthony Davis has remaining on his contract. He signed... Guaranteed two more oh, years. Oh, yeah, so they opt out, or, or so the, the out here is the same. No, yeah. I get that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, you know, if if Cousins isn't his previous self, then he's probably going to opt in. And right. then, you're you know, Drew Holiday also, he's signed one more year than Davis. So he has a $27 million player option the year after Davis can come off the books. So either way, you're not committed, like, forever and ever. I mean, right, I think right. I think a three-year deal with a third-year player option is the way to go. But, yeah, like you, I think at this point, I mean, the other problem for the Pelicans is they already have $92.8 million in guaranteed salary on the books. If you give Boogie his full $30.3 million max, you are in the luxury tax with eight players under contract. Mm. And I don't – the Pelicans don't strike me as a team that would be – Super excited to pay the tax. Now, maybe they try to shed Solomon Hill. Maybe they try to shed Alexis Ajinta, but... Yeah, how are they going to shed <laughs> Solomon Hill? Though? Right, exactly. And, you know, they yeah, like maybe they can give up draft picks, but, like, you've been doing that. That's been yeah, your bonus you operandi. You that's just not a sustainable strategy. Right. It's not. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're trying to build around Davis and a relatively young... You know, Holiday, Davis, and Cousins are all in their prime, sure, but mm. you know, you, you don't want to give away those guys. Like, I I would assume Nico played well enough during the playoffs that he wouldn't be like it would be pretty easy to move him. I would think, but yeah. I don't think you want to. I, I think what he showed next to Davis in those couple months, you want to retain him if new, you're New Orleans. But then, you know, a guy like Rajon Rondo who played really damn well. He's an unrestricted free agent. Ian Clark, 
who had some flashes, especially in the playoffs and toward the end of the regular season. He's an unrestricted free agent. So keeping this team together is going to get pretty costly if they do retain Boogie. Mm-hmm. You know, for us, who gives a shit? Like, it's not our money, but, you know, it's it's still a consideration when, you know, we don't know how willing New Orleans is to pay the tax, how far above the tax line they'd be willing to go. It's going to make for a really fascinating summer. Yeah. I mean, overall, it's just about flexibility in, in regards to Bookie, really. I mm-hmm. mean, if he... Yeah, if he signs for like two years or three years and it just goes, you know, where he plays decently, but it just, the fit isn't there. Like, you realize that Davis alone is just the superior, you know, the, the superior option. Mm-hmm. You can always flip Boogie. It's like Washington mm-hmm. for like, for Mian, Jan Mahimi, who will have a year less on his deal. True. And a pick or something like that. Yeah. So there are ways to get out of it because a team like Washington, and there are several teams like Washington, mm-hmm. they have you know large dead contracts on their books, mm-hmm. which will always be available for for a player of Bookie's caliber, even if that caliber is not typical Bookie but close to peak Bookie. Yeah. Yeah, that's a so fair point. He's he's going to uh, unless. You know, his career is just going to be completely altered. He's going to come back and struggle to play 20 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Then we're in a in a situation where that's not looking good. Right. But, I mean, luckily, having Nico there, they don't have... Like, they can re-sign Boogie, and they don't have incentive to rush him back. Like, they don't need him back by opening that's night. That's true. They can that's let true. him recover at his own pace. And, yep. you know, say, say, take your time. Like, we... The last thing we want is for you to do lasting damage to your career. This is a very serious injury. You but know, is this this is the Achilles tear, though. So, yeah. I mean, even if you let it rest for an additional few months, like, you've lost something. Yeah. Oh, right. I mean, either way, he's going to be affected. But, like, letting him ease his way back in rather than like throwing him back for 35 minutes on oh yeah, yeah, yeah no no we agree on that but yeah. i think those 35 minutes i think that's done with he's yeah i i have a feeling he's never gonna crack 32 minutes a game Ugh. again uh it sucks I, I mean i i don't necessarily think you're wrong it's just it's no it's absolutely so it is no. but i mean look he's 611 two he's listed at 270 but let's yeah. be real he's more like 285 yeah yeah, I mean, he would have to take the Duncan route, like yeah. slim down twenty pounds, mm-hmm. and maybe be more of a finesse player. But the way that he banks in the post and the the amount of punishment his body takes, right? Like he has people on him, like he's carrying people yeah. on his shoulders at times. Yeah, just putting so much weight down on those feet. I mean, I I just I wouldn't. It's not necessarily a bad thing that he would play around, you know, thirty minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you can still put up a lot of numbers in thirty minutes, especially if you're Demarcus Cousins. Oh yeah, but yeah, there, there's a cap on the minutes, I think, and whether that's going to change the opinion of, you know, New Orleans if they find that to be true that oh he's going to be limited from here on out, I would still resign him. Yeah. I agree. I, I mean, it's much like what we advocated for Blake Griffin last summer. And look what happened. You know, the Clippers did re-sign him, traded him six months later, got a pretty decent haul in return. And now they're... But we didn't agree with the amount, though, with with Blake. 
Oh, no, 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 no. No, we did not. Yeah, or the length. Yeah, I'm sorry, the right. length. No, the length no, of the contract. No, we did right. not say to give him a five-year max. Yeah. So, no, but you're right. He he was nay-nayed. Yeah, right, right, yeah. exactly. So before we move on from New Orleans, I'd say their other big concern, which got exposed against the Warriors, you know, it was obvious the whole year. They had probably the worst wing rotation in the league. Again, if they re-sign Boogie, they're going to be in the tax already. How... If you're New Orleans, you don't have a first-round pick. You gave it up for Nico. How do you round out your wings? That's a good question. I mean, this is where a pick would have come in handy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think there's a good answer to that. I mean, you're going to have to obviously go, like, bargain hunting and probably... Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if they're... You know, if you're in the tax already, that your owner is going to be willing to use the taxpayer MLE. I don't know. Like, you might have to just literally shop for minimum guys. Now, Rondo played well off the, you know, on a small contract last year. Um, if he's happy doing that again, I think you probably bring him back. But Yeah, you do. But, like, they're, because of, I mean, really the Solomon Hill deal, even... Etwan and Najincha, like it's it's we've said it before, it's really hard to build around three guys on max deals. Mm-hmm. If they re-sign cousins, they're gonna be in that predicament. Even if not, I mean, they have ninety two point eight million dollars in guaranteed salary. The cap's gonna be a hundred and one million. So like even if they let all of their guys go, they only have eight point five million to round out their roster. And then they have the non tax pyramid level, which is like eight point six million in the additional. Jeff Green. Yeah, I mean, that, no, those are, that's the type of player, right? Right, exactly. To bring in, yeah, no, it, that I I agree. That's those because the they have Lord knows they have shooting guards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 indeed. All right, boy, let's wrap things up now with the Utah Jazz. Uh, do you want to take your final victory lap on Donovan Mitchell to close out his rookie season officially? I don't need to, Brian. <laughs> you sure don't. Uh, I mean, look, the outlook for that team is, you know, outside of Golden State and Houston in the West. I don't know who in that who in the Western Conference has a brighter outlook than the Utah Jazz right now because of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Yep. Um, that's they, it. They need a three too. Yeah, <laughs> they that's need a, a legit three too. Well, so they do have, you know, they they have a lot of their guys either under contract or. They have a bunch of non-guaranteed contracts like Thabo uh, yep. Cephalosha, Jonas Jerebko, Ekbe Udo, uh, Royce O'Neal, who I, I would assume they pick his option up already if they have not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, But they've got Gobert, Rubio, Joe Ingles, Alec Burks, Jay Crowder, Donovan Mitchell. All those guys are under contract already. So they're in good shape. Financially, they've only got $75 million in guaranteed money. So I would assume... They, you know, we'll see what happens with their non-guaranteed guys, but I don't think they're going to go for a big free agent splash this year. They do have two of their own free agents they need to take care of, in theory, or at least address. First being Derek Favors. What do you do with him, Mort? So the sign-and-trade seems to be a thing of the past. Yeah, because it hard caps. Yep. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. Because I don't think Derek Favors should be the long-term piece at the four. Mm-hmm. I know he plays a lot of backup five, so there's some luxury in having that size available. Mm-hmm. And he's by no stretch a bad player. Right. 
but this is the NBA in 2018. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to have a high-volume three-point shooter at at least one of the two biggest positions on the floor, the floor, the four and the five. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not expecting Rudy Rudy Gobert to go out and hit 173s next year. Mm -hmm. I'm really not. So favors is like, favors got a little bit better this year. He he made fourteen threes, but that was on twenty two percent. He's primarily an inside guy, and that's not going to change. He's what twenty six now. He's going to be twenty seven uh, during free agency. So yeah, it's it's kind of a pooky situation as well because if you lose him, you lose him for nothing. Mm-hmm. You need to get something in return for him. So I would nay nay him. Mm-hmm. I really would. And then yeah, resign him, but yeah, but then comes the big one, like at what price? Yeah, yeah, and, and because he, if you sign him for too much, he, you're not going to be able to <laughs> nae him. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, again, we'll say it. We'll keep hammering it home. Working in Utah's favor is money ain't going to be there for most of these guys. That said. Right. You know, a, a team like, say, Dallas could have upward, I think, of like $20 million in space. Maybe, you know, if, if they decide this is Dirk's mm-hmm. last hurrah, we can't, you know, we can't send them out on a 25-win team. Maybe they give favors a look. Maybe a team like Phoenix or Sacramento sees him as like a veteran, you know, veteran leader slash still productive contributor but just a guy oh, to like the in- dallas thing is good brian because i'm looking over that roster right now mm-hmm. like they they desperately need a big man of favors's caliber like yeah. he's that's that's a legit threat actually like, nerland's was supposed to be that guy but we all yeah. know how that turned let's, out let's not talk about nerland's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right so yeah i mean there won't be many places. I mean, again, the Lakers possible if they strike out on their big guys, um, the Bulls, I guess. But oh like, god, no, I don't think so. Not under Fred. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think so either. But I, like Dallas does seem like a realistic possibility. So I'm with you. Yeah. I honestly don't know. Ugh, like I don't know what what fair value for him is in this market. Like I would. You know, my brain is saying like three years, forty million, but that seems, you know, if I'm his agent, I hang up immediately and go find something better. But that seems like something that would at least be tradable down the line, but still. That's essentially, him. yeah. That that's like, yeah, three years, forty million. That's a little bit more than he's getting now. He's getting yeah. twelve million right now. I think that's actually a very fitting area for him. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, three forty would be around. A little less than fourteen million a year, but yeah, yeah, it, it's it's really it's going to be, but in that ballpark, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I between think so. twelve and fifteen. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So the other question for them is Dante Exum, who is a restricted free agent, which benefits them. It's going to, mm-hmm. you know, I I he's missed so much time with injuries that it's going to be difficult for another team to invest heavily in him as their starting point guard and see, you know say confidently we can give you four years 80 million because we just right you know you're a blank slate basically we just don't know but that said you know he played really well toward the end of the regular season in the playoffs he got hurt yeah. at the end with the hamstring um 
which is basically like that's the entire Dante Exum experience. The playoffs were just the Dante Exum experience encapsulated into like ten games. Uh, so you know, I think if you're Utah at that point, you're just saying, "All right, Dante, get an offer sheet we can match, right?" Yeah. Like, oh yeah. What, what, or get an offer sheet, and then we'll decide whether to match or not. But like, right? You, if you're Utah, you're not. You're gonna let the market set his price. Right, and I don't think the market will look at his 235 minute sample size in the regular season for this year and go, "Oh, well, that's significantly better production <laughs> than the first two years." Yeah, no, right, I right. I don't think they're gonna look at it that way. I, it's, I mean, if someone does, user will be, I think, fine not matching. Yeah. If he gets a sick offer sheet somewhere. Right. right. Like, and the, also, there are so few teams. Orlando needs a point guard. But mm. like, there are so few teams that need a point guard right now that that's also going to work in Utah's favor. Like, Who's going to float a 15 or $20 million per year offer sheet right. at a guy who has struggled to stay healthy? He's played you know, 162 games over his four-year career so far, but... He missed the entire 2015-16 season and played only 14 games this season. Like, you know, he's missed... Which is effectively two missed seasons. Right, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, slightly more than two missed seasons. He started zero games this year, 67 in total. Like, not a great shooter. I mean, what what he... His physical profile and what he did defensively against James Harden, I you know, I think that's going to intrigue some teams. I, I think he's basically mm-hmm. like a better version, you know, of what Alfred Payton is at this point. Yeah. In theory. I mean, he just hasn't gotten the volume to show it, but like that's, he's bigger. Right. Yeah. Right. But it also struggles to shoot like Payton. So, you know, right. Phoenix like has Payton on the roster. So maybe they just decide to stick with him. But yeah, other than that, it's like, it's Orlando or bust basically. Right. And I, who else needs a point guard right now? No, no, the, that crop is pretty filled out. I guess the Knicks, if they're really not sold on Frankie Smokes, but they, you know, they might, if they stay at number nine. They have Moutier, and they're probably going to retain Trey, Trey Burke, Burke, right? Or they yeah. can take Colin Sexton at number nine, too. I mean, we don't yeah. know. Oh, yeah, like, there, there's a Trey Young and a Colin Sexton coming in as well in the picture. No. So. And we, no, don't, yeah, like, I, we don't yeah. know... Trade-wise, I mean, there might be, you know, some team might trade their starting point guard and create an opening, but I'm just saying, like, as where it stands right now, in the middle of May, there just really aren't that many obvious fits for him. Right. No, I, yeah, I mean, Utah might get lucky in the sense that he just simply not find any sort of offer sheet out there that's worth his time, and he just goes, all right, let's make a deal. <laughs> yeah. And right. then it's like a two-year deal. I don't know, worth $4 million a year to, to begin with or something like that. I mean, look, I know that people $4 million a year for Dante Exum? The, the dude played 14 games. Yeah. He's he's played 80 games for the past two years. Mm-hmm. I would not offer a significant amount of coin, long term at least. Right. Like, and theoretically, it doesn't matter if it's two years. Like, he could get... Six million a year. It doesn't matter. It's when mm-hmm. it's a two-year deal. It's just it's ridiculous to even talk about it. But I, I wouldn't give up a lot. I yeah. really wouldn't at this point. I'm just so nervous about 
his progression in in terms of staying healthy and not being able to shoot. Like defensively, I love the potential. He's yeah. also a pretty good passer, so yep. there is there are definitely elements to him that are wildly intriguing, but not to the point where I'm shelling out major coin. Right. I mean, like if you're pointing to if you're saying he only only four million dollars a year, you're pointing to where he was drafted. But four years mm-hmm. into your NBA career, where you were drafted does not matter one bit. Like Right, you look at a production. Right. Like Jaleel Okafor is going to struggle. He was the number three pick. He's going to struggle to get more than a minimum contract this summer, I would assume. Yeah. You know, like it's No, no, you're right. You're right. So yeah, I mean I understand, you know, coming into the league as the number five pick, he would have expected to get a lucrative offer this summer. Unfortunately, as you said, eighty games over the past two seasons. We just haven't been able to see the progression that we would like to from him. That's not to say it's not going to come. I mean, I, I'm still really high on the kid overall. I think he's going to mm-hmm. be a really good player. But, but he'd have to defy some odds, though. Yeah. Yeah, we just we just don't know. I mean, he's still really young. He's not, He doesn't turn 23 until mid-July. So, like, still, you know, he he's younger than Chris Dunn, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That's wild. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, I have a... I have... Just wait for the Yossi. I have done comments. I have Bulls comments like coming out of my ears. Don't worry. I'll I'll get to that point. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh <laughs> All right. Well, before we wrap up, just on Utah in general, do you think this mm-hmm. team is going to contend for a top 4 seed next year? Oh man. I mean, that really depends on how things shake up in the, in the in the West, like what happens to Kawhi. Mm-hmm. Where does he end up? And you know, what if LeBron joins a Western Conference? That's 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 uh, that's a question I can't answer yet. I will say this: their trajectory is only going upwards. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell is going to single-handedly <laughs> just put them up a notch and just raise their ceiling. Mm-hmm. And that's that that in itself is pretty encouraging. But as I alluded to when we started talking about this team. Like they need a three, yeah. Because Jay Crowder has been just not that good. Mm-hmm. Tabo Sefolosha is gonna be retired within what eighteen months anyway. I expect. Like Royce O'Neal is fine, but he's also still not that t- battle tested yet. He's still somewhat young, and he's got a capped ceiling, you can say. Mm-hmm. So I feel they really need like a wing to mm-hmm. complement Mitchell. Yeah. Um. I was toying around with that idea. I hadn't looked at the numbers at all, but if they could, you know, maneuver themselves into a position where they could talk to Paul George, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I would love that. Like the Paul George Donovan Mitchell duo in, oh, in Utah. Man. That would be oh, nasty. Yeah. That would be nasty. I don't think it's going to happen because Utah's no. just not been a free agent destination by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And I just, uh, yeah, I don't know how to make the numbers work, but exactly. Right. I don't. I don't think they do. They would have to trade Joe Ingles, which would hurt every mm-hmm. Jazz fan on the planet. Yeah. Um, maybe you move Alec Burks. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at it, but yeah. like, oh, that would have been fun. But they need a two-way, you know, small forward. Maybe they trade themselves into like Mikhail Bridges' territory in the draft in some capacity. No, but like he would be wonderful next to uh, Mitchell. He's he's got to be a sixer. He he can't play for both the Sixers and the Jazz. That's that's not possible, Morton. 
But yeah, you're you're right. I I mean, I, I love the fact that you want the the Sixers to have like 97 million roster spots because you want I everybody. I know, I do. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you're, it's fair to say that it's too early just to tell whether this team is going to be, you know, like the third best team in the West, fourth best team. We got to see. Yeah, what I mean, we don't even know what's going to happen to Derek Favors. Yeah, right, right, and also, yeah, like the Kawhi stuff, Paul George, LeBron. You're totally right. I think, oh Kawhi, yeah Kawhi. Yeah. That he should yeah. go to the to the to the Jazz. That's right. Oh, there, there we go. go. Um, but overall, I mean, I, I think this team, if if Gobert hadn't gotten hurt this year, they would have been comfortably a top four seed. I think. Yes, absolutely. You know, they they're gonna be. They're still a tier below Houston and Golden State until they can get one more piece, one more star piece around Gobert and Mitchell. Mm-hmm. But they're gonna be right in that next tier of like. You know, whoever comes out in that three, four, five range, they're they're going to be right. right in there. So, Jazz fans, I know you know the Hayward departure hurt last summer, but you should forget about it. Donovan Mitchell's a superstar, even if he's going to finish second in Rookie of the Year. Uh, Rudy Gobert is, you know, a, a, an incredible defensive force. He's going to be the Defensive Player of the Year. Like you, you guys, a lot of teams would happily trade places with you guys right now. So, oh yeah. Kudos on a good season, and we're looking forward to seeing what comes what comes next from the Jazz. And so, one final note on Gobert, by the way. Oh yeah, like yeah, he he missed games, but he also had a down year. Like statistically, mm-hmm. he wasn't as good as the year before, and I don't expect that trend to continue at all. Yeah, like next year, I have a feeling we're gonna see that improved offense we talked about last summer. Oh man, that would be huge. I, that would be huge. I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be at all surprised if Gobert came out next season and averaged like 17 points a game mm-hmm. yeah that would be big yeah so we'll we'll see what happens until next time though you can follow us on twitter at the nba pod in our bio you can find our twitter handles to so give us a follow as well you can we got a lot of good stuff coming this week we got a lot of the draft stuff the lottery is on tuesday so we'll have plenty of that conference finals coverage so please be sure to follow us on twitter there you can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We'd love any feedback. We're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. Thank you, Brian. I will enjoy not reading Twitter because I've noticed over the past 24 hours that a lot of people are legitimately asking, could Larry Bird play in this era? <laughs> I'm out now. Yeah, dude. We, NBA Twitter spirals so fast when there's no basketball. Please. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited for basketball to come back. <laughs> Tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. Uh, all right. Later, boy. Later. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... 
Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.